Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Tammy Melchine as we continue the series, Hope for Everyone. If you're new, we'd love to learn your name. Simply text CONNECT to 630-793-6399 and we'll send you more information about community. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. start by asking, what are you afraid of? Like, what phobias do you have? If you're willing to admit what freaks you out, go ahead and type it in the chat or share it with someone at your watch party. We all have these strange fears and phobias, don't we? I'll admit, I have a really weird one. Now, I'm trusting you guys by telling you this, okay? Don't get any weird ideas about pranking me. But for some reason, as far back as I can remember, I have always been afraid of dead animals. I know, it doesn't make any sense, but if I see a dead bird in my yard or a a dead raccoon on the side of the road, I instantly start to panic. I have no idea why. It doesn't make sense, but, but phobias are like that, right? They really don't make sense. I recently came across an article by the security firm ADT that researched the most searched phobias in each state. Do you want to know what they found out? For example, in our neighbors to the north, Wisconsin, the most searched phobia is aquaphobia, the fear of water, which when you think about it, there are like 15,000 lakes in Wisconsin. There got to be a lot of nervous people walking around up there. Now, our neighbors to the east in the Hoosier state, their most searched phobia is arachnophobia, the fear of spiders. And that's a pretty common one. Chances are some of you have that phobia too. But here in Illinois, Our most searched phobia is glossophobia, the fear of public speaking. And yet, here I am. Now, the one I found most interesting in this list is the the most searched fear in Washington, D.C. Want to know what it is? Gammaphobia, the fear of commitment. Now, I'm going to let you draw your own conclusions about what that means. But these fears, these phobias, they're somewhat inconsequential, of course, right? Maybe even comical. But what about the fears that aren't so funny? What about the fears that actually feel like they are debilitating? For example, maybe the fear of failure. Have you ever felt so kind of paralyzed by the fear of failure that that, that it it makes you feel stuck, maybe stuck in your career or, or even in a relationship? Of course, there are many of us that that carry financial fears, maybe even more so during this season than ever before. Uh, So many of us are feeling this fear that we we won't be able to pay our bills or provide for our family. Of course, lots of us feel the fear of losing a loved one. And that's a fear we experience in in normal times. But during this season, when when so many of us care for someone that that is high risk, that fear can, can feel like it has an extra layer during this pandemic. Now, there are other fears too, like like maybe we fear for our safety. Stories of of violence seem to be filling our news feeds with with increasing frequency. And of course, there are are some other fears that can be harder during this, this holiday season. How about the fear of being alone? 
Lots of people struggle with that. And, and Christmas is a time where that, that fear can get even harder. It can be a tough, tough season for a lot of people. But what we've been talking about during this series is that Christmas is also a season that reminds us that there is hope. There is hope for everyone. And today what we're going to talk about is how this hope can come to us in our times of distress, how this hope can empower us to courageously face our fears. Now, during this series, we've been looking at the lives of specific characters in the Christmas story, and and we've been trying to help one another find our story in their stories. And today, we're looking at the story of Joseph and how he faced his fears through the crazy twists and turns of his life. And as we look at his story, my prayer for all of us is that we will discover that that the birth of Jesus really does mean that there is hope for everyone. Now, Matthew begins this Christmas story uh, this way. He says, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary and Joseph had promised to get married, but. Now that word but, rarely anything good comes after that word but, right? Most often what comes after that word but is something we don't want. Like for example, when someone says, I love you, But, or, well, we were going to go to the Caribbean for the holidays, but, or I was going to give you a raise, but, rarely does anything good come after this word, but, and it was no different for Joseph. This is how Mary and Joseph had promised to get married, but before they started to live together, it became clear that she was going to have a baby. It became clear she was going to have a baby. Now, this story is so familiar that I'm not sure we always just stop and think about what jarring news this would be for Joseph. Just try to imagine, put yourself in his shoes when he, when he discovers this news. After all, he was pledged to be married to Mary. And in that day, being pledged to be married, in essence, meant you were married. It's not like engagement is in our culture. You know, in our culture, sometimes engagements do not end in marriage. In fact, the latest stat I saw is one out of every five encouragement, um, engagements does not end with a ceremony at the altar. But in Joseph and Mary's day, an engagement was a done deal. In fact, in order to break that engagement, you would have to get divorced. So Mary and Joseph, they are in effect 99% married when it became clear that she was going to have a baby. And I kind of wonder, how did it become clear? Like, was she starting to show? Was she having morning sickness? But but somehow it becomes clear to Joseph that Mary is going to have a baby. And he knows that he and Mary have never consummated their relationship. He knows that he is not the father. Just imagine what that would do to him. Imagine what he's thinking. Imagine what he's feeling. Talk about fears. This is Joseph's worst fear coming true. After all, he had dreams for this relationship. He had dreams for his life. And now all of that is shattered with this betrayal and this infidelity. It's like his worst nightmare coming true. And not only what he would be feeling for himself, of course, he'd also have to deal with what everyone else thought too. I mean, Joseph was a a stand-up guy, but now certainly everybody was talking and even if they weren't questioning his integrity, in that day, if, if a woman you were pledged to marry became pregnant by another man, 
there would be significant pressure on you to make a public example of her. In fact, Jewish, Roman, and Greek law all demanded that a man would divorce his wife in this situation. And so Joseph feels this cultural pressure, and if he doesn't man up and follow what is expected, the men in his community will likely see him as weak or maybe even as a traitor who is breaking the law. Now, there's a detail of the story that Matthew tells us here, but, but Joseph doesn't find this out until later. This is what Matthew tells us. It says, she became pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, even when Joseph does find this out later, it's from an angel in a dream. Try explaining to your buddies that your fiance is pregnant by the Holy Spirit and you found this out from an angel in a dream. Seriously, can you just hear his friends? Okay, Joseph, the Holy Spirit got her pregnant, whatever. I mean, they would think that he was nuts. But before Joseph has his encounter with the angel, we get a glimpse into just the kind of man Joseph really is. Matthew says that Joseph was a godly man. He did not want to put her to shame in public. So he planned to divorce her quietly. I think we learn a lot about Joseph here, even though he is facing his own fears. He's also afraid for Mary. He doesn't want to publicly humiliate her. He doesn't want to make a public example of her. And so despite his own fears, he chooses to act contrary to his culture and he's gonna put an end to this relationship quietly. But as I mentioned, Before he takes that action, an angel comes to him. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Into the the chaos of this situation, into the mess that, that Joseph finds himself in, God breaks through. God is like that, isn't he? When Joseph is is knee deep in his fear, his uncertainty. God breaks through bringing clarity, bringing hope, bringing purpose. Now, it would be easy just to read this passage and skip right by some important stuff because, again, this Christmas story, it's so familiar to so many of us. But, But let's stop and think about it. What exactly is it that helped Joseph face his fear? You and I both know it would have been really easy to wake up the morning after that dream and just write it off as some bad Mexican food from the night before, right? But Joseph doesn't do that. What is it that helps Joseph face his fears? Well, I think a big reason is that the angel said something to Joseph that he probably recognized right away. It's a command that is tucked in this scripture we just read. The angel says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Did you know that this is the most often repeated command in all of scripture? 
You don't have to dig deep in in either the Old or the, the New Testament to find God commanding his people that they shouldn't be afraid. And now I've never counted up the numbers uh, myself, but Pastor Rick Warren says that there are actually 365 fear nots in the Bible, that God has given us a reason to live every single day of our lives free from fear. And that reason is often stated with that command. Here's how it's stated in the book of Joshua. Do not be afraid, and here comes the reason, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And I have to think as a godly, devout Jewish man, Joseph would have heard these words, do not be afraid, and been reminded of the the many times he heard those words read from the scriptures when he went to synagogue, of the many times in the history of Israel that God said, fear not, you don't have to be afraid because I am with you. In fact, as, as Matthew tells us this Christmas story, he wraps it up with a note that we read earlier. And let's, let's go back and look at that. He says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son And they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God with us. Now, Matthew is referencing a prophecy from the Old Testament. Centuries centuries before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah declared this. He said, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Part of me wonders, as Joseph woke up from this stream, if he recognized this scripture, if this is what came to his mind, and that he realized after centuries and centuries of his people waiting and longing for the Messiah, that now the time was come. And not only that, God was giving him, Joseph, an opportunity to play a part in this story. Now, of course, with the benefit of hindsight, we know that that's exactly what happened. The baby is born. The Messiah has come. Emmanuel, God with us. However, don't think for a moment that the way ahead for Joseph was no longer scary. The way ahead was not going to be easy. But when Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, Joseph's faith in the story, it's it's pretty amazing. So many times we read the Christmas story and I I think often we we look at it through Mary's perspective, which is a, a great perspective. But what about Joseph? Despite all he had to fear, despite all that could go wrong and just blow up in his face, Joseph responds in faith. He responds in faith, trusting, trusting God, trusting and obeying God, what God through the angel told him to do. Joseph makes a conscious decision to not stay stuck in fear, but instead to move forward in faith. Now, when I think about my own fears. I sometimes wonder if I would be as steadfast as Joseph. 
as I was writing this talk, I, I just kind of settled myself and, and made myself think about what I am really afraid of. You know, there are fears that I'm carrying today. The fears that my, my, my parents, who are both in their 80s, will get sick during this pandemic and I won't be able to be there to care for them. There are also fears sometimes that I think about for my, my tomorrows. Like as a single woman, that, that, that I'll be alone when I need someone to care for me. You know, sometimes I can, I can let these what-ifs just swirl around in my mind, but what if instead of doing that, I listen for the voice of God? Do you know what he would say? I think I, I think I know. I think he would say this. Do not be afraid. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. So let me ask you the question. What are you afraid of? What fears are you carrying maybe today or fears that you are carrying today about your tomorrows? How can you and I, how can we just like Joseph face our fears by anchoring ourselves in the truth that God is with us? Emmanuel has come. Friends, you You are not alone. You're not alone. But how do we learn to anchor ourselves in this truth? How can we begin to to face our fears with a faith-filled life? Well, in the couple minutes we have left, I want to get super practical about this. I just want to suggest uh, three actions that can help us do just that. All right? So the first is to, to reflect on Scripture, to be reminded that God is with us. And I know, I know, that's what a pastor's supposed to say, right? Like, read your Bible. That's what pastors say all the time. But but listen, I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor or just saying it to say it. I'm saying it because I really believe it. You see, Joseph, likely when he heard these words, do not be afraid, it, it would have sounded to him like the voice of God, because he had familiarized himself with what God has said in his word. And see, when we familiarize ourselves with scripture, the the words that we need will come to our our minds, they'll come to our hearts when we need them. The scriptures, they remind us of of who God is, of, of how he is present in our lives, and how we can trust him. Uh, For example, just this past week, I, I was feeling stressed out about some of the responsibilities I carry. Now, I don't know if you ever feel like this, but sometimes you, do, you, do you fear that you're not up to the task or, or maybe fear that you're unqualified or inadequate to do something that, that you, you know God has called you to do? Well, I was a little stressed out about some of that this past week, and I, I was in my loft in my house where, where I often go to, to spend time with God. And, and while I was sitting there, I was just feeling all this stress. A, a scripture came to my mind. It's actually something that I've studied over this past year, and it's the scripture from Colossians 2. Where, where we read this, it says, For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. And as I thought about that scripture, it's actually a scripture I've written on a chalkboard up in that loft. I heard God saying this to me, Tammy, you have been brought to fullness. You have everything you need to carry out the purposes that I have called you to. You see, when we familiarize ourselves with scripture, the words that God has given us in this book, 
They will come to us when we need them. It's one of the reasons I love our community daily with the Bible reading plan. It helps us get into a regular rhythm of reading and reflecting on Scripture. The Scriptures, they're a gift to us. They're meant to encourage us, to challenge us. But in order for that to happen, we have to read and reflect on them. We have to internalize them. So the first way to to kind of ground ourselves and be able to face our fears is to to reflect on Scripture. But a second way to have courage in the face of the fear is by relying on your community. You see, often I think the presence of God comes to us through each other. Think about a little kid. When a little kid is afraid, what do they do? They run and they they bury themselves in the arms of their parents. Or, Or maybe think about people when they're walking through a haunted house. When something scary jumps out, what do they do? They all of a sudden start grabbing and clinging to one another. You see, we find the support we need to face our fears when we cling to one another in community. And that's why, if you haven't yet, I encourage you next term to get connected in a small group. It's one of the best expressions of community that we have here at our church. Get connected in community. And when you face your fears, you will have a community of people to hold on to. Finally, the third way we face our fears is by responding with action, by acting. You see, regardless of how much scripture we have memorized, regardless of how many people we have in our lives cheering on, we will never really know that we can trust God until we trust him. It's kind of like a little kid standing on the side of the pool. That little kid only discovers that he can trust daddy to catch him when he leaps, And some of us, we've been standing on the edge of that pool for a long time. Maybe our our toes are curled over the edge, but we've never jumped. Just imagine what Joseph would have missed if he had given into his fear and decided to, to divorce Mary quietly. We'd probably never know his name. He would have missed out on being part of what God was doing in the world. And think about what you and I might miss if we don't risk to. My challenge to us today is to feel that fear and take action anyway. Friends, no matter what scary situations are around us, Christmas reminds us of this remarkable truth. Jesus broke through. Jesus broke through into our world, into our mess, into our distress, into our hopelessness, into our fear, and he brought hope, hope that is for everyone. Matthew's last recorded words of Jesus in the gospel that he wrote are these. Jesus says, and surely I am with you sometimes, like every other Tuesday. No, He says, surely I am with you always, always to the very end of the age. Emmanuel, God is with us. This Christmas, let's decide to to not live in fear anymore. We don't have to be afraid. Instead, let us courageously move forward in faith for the Lord, our God, is with us. Let's pray together. Father, I know in these moments that 
that many of us are facing situations that are scary. And God, sometimes we carry fears that that might not even be rational, but they're very real to us. And I pray in this moment, Lord, that what becomes more real than anything else in these spaces we're inhabiting right now is your presence. Spirit, come and remind us of this truth that Jesus is with us and he will be to the end of the age. God, I pray that your, your presence would not only comfort us, but it would give us the courage to move forward, to move forward in faith, knowing that we will never be alone, knowing that we are loved. God, I thank you for your presence among us today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.